This evening we'll be in Ezekiel 37. You'll remember that was the chapter that our Old Testament reading was in the morning service. We're going to be spending a bit of time there again tonight, but first let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that by it we have come to know you and love you, that you have given to us new life through our knowledge uh, of you. And so we pray now that you would bless the preaching of your word so far as that preaching conforms to what your word says, Lord. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want you to imagine a skeleton, a human skeleton. In this skeleton, it isn't like you might see uh, around the neighborhood at Halloween time or in a science classroom, you know, see children, this is the human skeleton. No, uh, this skeleton's very old, very dry, and has long ago been scattered about by various critters and the passage of time. There is little to remind you that this pile of bones used to be a person. Now I challenge you, I dare you, Imagine anything which more perfectly and clearly evokes the meaning of the word dead. Not sick, not dying, not recently deceased, but dead. Incredibly, irreversibly dead. And that brings us to our passage in Ezekiel 37. I'll be reading the seventh verse, you recall that Ezekiel was brought uh, in the spirit uh, to a valley of, filled with dry bones. And the verse reads, I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I'm going to give five quick observations from the text. If you take notes, I apologize. I do mean quick. I'm going to try to move through them quickly so that there will be time afterwards for some applications. So the first observation is the absurdity of the command. The absurdity of the command. If I had asked you to imagine a sick or a critically injured person, you might expect that by some course of medicine or surgery and rest that they might recover. You might even expect that someone whose heart has stopped or who has been unconscious and unresponsive, uh, maybe in a coma for a while, even a long while, they might be revived. But by what means could we expect that our dearly departed scattered skeleton might be made again into a living human? What power of medicine or science could bring those bones back together, clothe them in muscle and flesh, and breathe life and personhood back into them? How absurd it must feel then to prophesy, to speak to the bones and command them to hear the word of the Lord. We can see there's almost an embarrassed reticence in Ezekiel's answer when the Lord asks, Son of man, can these bones live? 
And the answer, oh Lord, you know. Yet that is the command which the Lord gives him. Prophesy to the bones, son of man. Observation number two is the faith of obedience to the command. Absurd as the command is, our verse begins with Ezekiel's faithful response. I prophesied as I was commanded. It's not that Ezekiel is unaware of the fact that no power of eloquence of his speech can make these bones live. If there's no human power or skill which could accomplish the task, certainly there's no power of rhetoric to accomplish the task. Yet he remembers the God who commands it, that he is able, that he is faithful. Ezekiel puts his hope not in himself or in his words, but in God who has commanded him. Observation number three, the strange response to the command. Our verse continues, And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. As strange as the thought of prophesying to these dry, dead bones is, the even stranger part is that they respond to the word of the Lord by coming back together again. What is maybe one of the most understated statements in Scripture, Ezekiel simply says, Behold, a rattling. If you like, there should be uh, at least uh, two or three exclamation marks at the end of that sentence, you know. Something you don't see every day. If it were simply the words of man, there would be no great surprise if the bones simply lie there. The word of command spoken to the dry bones, however, is not like our words. It is the word of the Lord through which he accomplishes his wonders. The impossible and sometimes strange is accomplished through the power of his word and his Holy Spirit which attends to it. Fourth observation, the power of the command. The Lord, not long before the days of Ezekiel, put a question to the prophet Jeremiah, which he had also asked the patriarch Abraham after his life. His wife laughed at the thought of bearing a child in her old age. He said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? The word of the Lord is not an empty or a vain word, but it is powerful to accomplish all that he wills. It never falls without bearing its intended fruit, and it never returns to him empty. By the power of his word, he created all things in heaven and on earth. It is powerful, so powerful, that when planted in the heart, it springs forth into eternal life. The word of the Lord is the spirit of the Son which carries out the will of the Father and reveals his hidden glory to us, his ignorant people, and is attended to with power by the Holy Spirit that we may see and hear and know and worship God. While making those dry bones live is impossible for man, yet nothing is impossible for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for him. He is the author of all life. And by his word, there can be life where there was previously death. Fifth observation is the glory of God displayed. The book of Ezekiel is filled with the repeating of a certain phrase. It's 
not a new or a novel phrase. It's uh, one we frequently see in Exodus and the ministry of Moses. The Lord announces what he will do for his people and then gives the commanded response, you will know that I am the Lord. By his word and its power, he reveals himself to us, his power and his nature, and we we will know that he is the Lord. He is Yahweh. We will worship him. The Lord does the impossible for his people by impossible means to leave no question that it was he and not man which did the work to elicit a response of worship. The Apostle Paul says that God chooses what is foolish in the world to confound the wise and the proud. For Ezekiel to command the dry bones, to hear the word of the Lord and live, is a stumbling block to the wisdom of man, but to the humble and the faithful, it is the power and wisdom of God. And we ourselves, Paul says, were dead in our sin and trespasses. Don't let that description pass you by. Again, not sick, not dying, dead. We were quite alive and active for the things of our flesh and the world. But as to the things of Christ, to spiritual things, we were exactly as those bones, long dead and very dry. Yet by the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Spirit, we were made alive in Christ, bone to bone. Thus the foolishness of God proves wiser than the wisdom of man, And the command to hear the word of the Lord has had the very strange effect of raising dead, fallen sinners to live and for and to worship the God whom they had formerly rebelled against. So those are our five observations from the passage. Uh, We're going to move on now to four applications. These are in the realm of our evangelism. The first application is in personal evangelism. For those of you involved in personal evangelism, which I hope is all of you in some way, always remember that you are Ezekiel amid the dry bones. No amount of eloquence of speech, persuasion, pleading, threatening, enticing with benefits, no apologetic method can make the dead heart of man live. The heart of man is naturally dead in its sin, It cannot do what is pleasing to the Lord, and it will not do what is pleasing to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, whether we're witnessing to friends, family, co-workers, neighbors, or even your own children, you must despair of any natural means to make them to see and savor Christ. He must work in them to create a new heart with new life, and new affections. While it is impossible for man, yet the word and spirit are powerful to accomplish the task, and the faithful prayer of the righteous avails much. Trust in the Lord, and do not lean upon your own understanding. Our answer to the question, can these bones live, should be, O Lord, you know, and our primary tool should be intercessory prayer. Our second application 
is for you men involved in the public preaching of the word. Your task is also a hopeless one, apart from the power of the Lord of life who authored it. It is no strange thing if anything less than the faithful preaching of his word, attended to by the Holy Spirit, does not result in lasting spiritual fruit. The methods of man cannot produce life, even if they are successful in drawing in a crowd. A whole valley filled with dry bones is no more special than a small handful of dry bones. They're still dry and dead, even if there's lots of them. Preach the word of the Lord faithfully. Preach it as commanded, as Ezekiel did. And marvel at the strangeness of the result. Strangeness is not that so few seem to hear the word of the Lord and live. Strangeness is that spiritually dead sinners can be made to love and worship the Lord at all. This morning's worship was... uh, especially beautiful and touching I thought and I I had uh, was thinking of this part of my devotional here at just the strangeness of it that all of us formerly dead sinners were brought together this morning to to worship the Lord but uh, I digress that is a gathering like that is about as likely to happen as a heap of dry bones being brought back together as a living, breathing human. But those who remain faithful to the command to preach the word of the Lord will have the blessing of seeing his power at work in bringing dead sinners back to life. Third application. Children, young people, Listen to me. I know you have heard it once today. You're going to hear it again. Do not be fooled by the freshness of your youth. You are these dry bones Ezekiel is talking about. I know the deceptiveness of your youth and the sinfulness of your heart says it is not true. But a few short years few short decades and the fading of your strength will show that it is exactly true. Your youth will fail, you will grow old, and unless Christ works in you, your love for him will not grow stronger but weaker and disappear entirely. Your parents' faith is not your faith, and their spiritual life is not yours, and as you grow up and leave their influence, Your life will show what your heart truly loves. To you I say, hear the word of the Lord and live. Cry out to Christ for a new heart. Do not rest until your parents' faith is your faith. Then you will see that though the strength of your youth will fade like the grass and the flower, the word of the Lord endures forever, and it is the only medicine for your fallen condition. The last application is to encourage and strengthen those of you who have been raised to spiritual life in Christ. Give glory to God in all that you do for this great and miraculous work which he has done. Remember that you once were dead in your sins and trespasses and have been made alive in Christ, who was slain for your sins that you may enjoy eternal life with him. Remember always that this was 
not your doing, but his. And pray always that he would sustain you in the newness of life, which he has blessed you with. Stay frequently in his word. Hear it preached as often as you can, and meditate on it always. For the same means which he has used to create new life in you will also sustain it. Hold fast in obedience to his word, so that you may obtain the joy to which you were raised in hope. For now we are raised to spiritual life. But in the fullness of time, Ezekiel 37 will not just be a picture of your spiritual resurrection, but of your physical resurrection at the coming of our Lord Jesus, along with the whole house of Israel, an exceedingly great army. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we have been guilty of trying to create new life in friends and family members and people who we witness to. We have not depended upon your word and your spirit to do the work which you have promised. We pray that you would forgive us, Lord, that you would renew our hope and our trust and our joy in your word, that we may see the strange and miraculous work of new life being worked in dead hearts. We pray that you would do this so that Christ may have the fullness of joy and the fullness of his reward for his sufferings due to him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.